Was anyone at the NC State game last night? NC State football game? No one? Big win. Oh, Mike was. All right. Homecoming for them. Big win. Freshman quarterback. Pretty cool. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, that we uh, get to be your children, Lord. We get to be your children in your incredible family. And we thank you so much for this local expression of your family at Redeemer. I thank you so much for these people and their passion for your word, their longing, their hunger to grow in um, their, their faithfulness and their fruitfulness in their lives and their dependence upon you for it. And um, so, Lord, as we embark upon another a new series together in this portion of our discipleship together, looking at um, the idea of doubt and deconstruction and deconversion and all these different things. Um, we just admit again, we need, our, we need your help, Lord, to um, have the humility to under, understand and, and apply and receive your word. Um, pray for wisdom. Pray for charity in any conversation about this. Um, together in this room or afterwards. And uh, we pray, Lord, ultimately that you would increase our faith um, as we, we talk about these challenging things. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, this class I've called Doubt and Deconstruction. I'll define that a little bit more in a bit. Um, we looked at a, I started with a video last week. I'm going to talk about that video a little bit um, in a moment. But yeah, I, I'm going to talk today mostly about doubt. And I'm curious, that just to open, what are some doubts that maybe you have had in your life or that other believers you know have had? What, talk, talk about just the reality of doubt, either as you have experienced it, what are some examples, I guess? of ways you have seen doubt play out in yours or other believers' lives. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. And he walked away and, and has not... Wow, that's sad. So someone who walked away just basically with the problem of evil is what it really comes down to. Yeah, Gideon. Absolutely. Yeah, there. Yeah, Wayne. Yeah. 
Yeah, so assurance of faith, basically, is what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, good. Any other? Yes. Creation story. So kind of an intellectual doubt. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of that. So how do we reconcile what the Bible says about creation with what science says about kind of the length, the age of this world, etc.? Absolutely. Saw a few other hands. Yeah, David. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they call it the problem of the hiddenness of God. Um, it's kind of a historical way of capturing that, that many have wrestled with. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, so doubt just from kind of questions about seeing other believers and what they're doing almost can be hypocrisy, but also just more extreme forms of the faith that don't seem to line up with the Word of God. Yeah. Kind of to piggyback on that, you know, it's not a completely fair question. There's, there's sort of an obvious answer. Why do believers struggle with doubt? So the easy answer is because it's a fallen world, it's a broken world, you know, we don't have, you know, we, won't, we will struggle with it until um, Christ comes again, but I don't know, just think a little bit more deeper about it. Like, what are, what are some reasons you would say you have, or people you know have struggled with doubt? You've just given an example, you know, problem of evil, etc., but... Any other thoughts on, on why we can often struggle with doubt? Yeah, Emily. Mm-hmm. Can't see what physically. Mm-hmm. Right. How much of our day-to-day life do we live by sight? you know, of our everyday living experience. We're here in person, we're all together, and, um, you know, so much of what we do um, is done by sight. More than we realize is actually done by faith, and I'm showing a video next week where he's going to talk some about that, but, yeah, absolutely. Just the the idea of um, serving an invisible God. Um, The Bible talks about the importance of faith and the invisibility of God, and that can be challenging. Yeah. Suzanne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, our faith kind of atrophies almost just by not practicing it or not doing things to strengthen it. Yeah, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, Jeff. Yep, oh, that's a great point. I'm definitely going to be making some of those points today. You took away my, you took away my thunder. <laughs> Stole the wind from my sails. Class over. That's right. Class dismissed. Um, yeah. So um, we're going to be talking about doubt and deconstruction in this class. Um, kind of in order. I'm going to talk more about doubt specifically for a couple weeks, and then. Um, as you saw in the video, um, just this kind of phenomenon, or not, we'll, we'll talk about that, um, of lots of deconversions. But doubt, it's, uh, as we talked about, it's a reality in the Christian life. It, is Christianity really true? Is God really who he says he is? Is the Bible reliable? Am I really going to heaven? Is God really good? Why isn't my life going better? And then on top of that, you know, if, if, those, if you're ever wrestling with those things and processing those things, there's not only the doubt, but then like the guilt and the shame for having doubt. You know, I shouldn't be struggling with doubt. I shouldn't have this. It's actually very scary to deal with doubt. Um, you know, we believe that our faith is, is everything to us. It's our foundation of life. It, you know, G- Paul says in... 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, we of all people are to be pitied. Um, So much of our life is dependent on this, and so it's scary to have doubts. Um, And and it's it's something that not only young and new, less mature believers can wrestle with, but even uh, more mature believers, more seasoned believers. Parker Palmer, he he has a helpful quote. He says, the deeper our faith, the more doubt we must endure. Um, It's all part of a process of faith-seeking understanding. Um, And it's even more a reality in uh, the secular age that we inhabit. It's often been called a secular age. Um, Unbelief is not only possible now, it's actually the default position in um, the world that we live in. And I'll talk more about secular age later um, in the class, but um, you've probably heard me talk about it some already over the months. This is probably the most selfish class for me, personally. Um, Picking this topic, uh, doubt is something that I have had wrestled with throughout my life. I've had seasons of doubt uh, first, when I, when I first went to seminary, um, it was just a real time of spiritual warfare in my life and um, really wrestled with various doubts. And then through various um, 
circumstances in the last year or so, I feel like I've been going through an, another season of doubt. And it's been challenging and it's been scary at times. And um, so this has been a topic very much on my mind and on my heart. Um, and I'd love to share more about that with you if you're curious. But um, I've also just really experienced um, the grace of God through that. And um, I've experienced God meeting me in that place and um, giving me uh, more assurance. And for most believers, doubt can actually be a helpful thing um, and, and deepen your faith. Um, for those who really doubt towards God, um, it, it gives you even even stronger foundation. Um, but there's also been the reality of those you know, not doubting towards God, but doubting towards full unbelief um, and walking away from the faith. Um, and we'll talk more about some of that in a couple weeks. Um, and on that, that's more of what the video last week talked about, as he talked a little bit more about deconversions and deconstruction. And he kind of broke his talk into two main points. Um, Talked about def he just gave some definitions. He thinks it's important to have some good definitions. And then the second point was sort of the deconversion process. But on definitions, he kind of gave this definition of doubt. He talked about it. To, it doubt is to be in two minds. Um, it's an experience of divided trust. It's this discomfort of having your foot in two camps, or he used the language of two boats, like your foot. Think of having your foot in two boats and how hard that could be. Um, but then he made the point, and he gets it from Os Guinness, who wrote a book on doubt, um, that to doubt is not to disbelieve. Um, to believe is to be in one mind. To disbelieve is to be in one mind. To doubt is to waver. Um, so there's this existential discomfort of doubt. And, you know, he made the point in the video, the one way the church hasn't helped over the years with people struggling with doubt is having a wrong or simple view of doubt as the opposite of faith. Um, you know, so if someone is doubting, they can often experience just kind of being shamed for it or dismissed or minimized instead of giving, being given the space to wrestle with it, um, space to ask hard questions. And so he says, if we have a better definition of doubt, we as the church can um, care for those in doubt better. Then he gave um, th this word deconstruction. You've maybe heard it used. It's been used a lot lately. It's a very, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word that is, it, you have to ask someone what they mean basically when they say it because it has lots of different meanings as when it refers to Christianity and, um, or deconverting from Christianity. So deconstruction is one response to doubt, he said. He said it's the practice of reviewing or revising long-held beliefs. It doesn't have to mean loss of faith. For some people, they, they kind of deconstruct sort of a, an unhealthy or an unbiblical practice or mindset and then reconstruct a better one. But, to, but lately... Deconstruction has more become a synonym for deconversion. It's just kind of leaving the faith. And so that's, that's one way to say it, but, um, you know, some like to use the word apostasy. They've apostatized. That's, that's one way to characterize it or deconvert. 
There's a lot of different ways. He gave the definition of disaffiliation, where someone, as they're doubting and then deconstructing, they, they start to disassociate and affiliate from maybe a denomination or even the church. And then he talked about deconversion. Uh, and then he, kind of the rest of the talk, just kind of went through the deconversion process. He said it's a five-fold process. Um, he talked about preconditions. And if you remember, he had, he's talked to a lot of people who've deconverted, and he's also read hundreds of stories of people who've deconverted. Um, you know, he says people don't deconvert out of thin air. Huge numbers actually grew up in the church. Um, so maybe a legalistic background and kind of it's a more of a resistance to any kind of legalism. <clears throat> maybe a resistance to literalism where, um, you know, an overemphasis on a, on a couple passages in the Bible um, have just caused someone to question everything. Loneliness, he said, is a precondition. Um, and just kind of being isolated. And then he talked about pressure points. So that then it kind of builds and there's pressure points. And he gave the three pressure points. Church culture, confessional content, and um, Christian conduct. So church culture, he talked about purity culture and how that was very influential in a negative way eventually. Confessional content, so that's just basically the intellectual struggles with the Bible. And then Christian conduct, so hypocrisy amongst the church. Um, in ways they're not living out as ha, the, their faith well. And then he, he talked about a, eventually comes to the point of no return. So that this is now, uh, you guys weren't able to watch the whole video, so this is now where it gets to the point where you didn't see this in the video. Um, but he talks about the story of a, uh, Francis Schaeffer talking about how donkeys, because Francis Schaeffer was in the Alps, um, the Swiss Alps, and they used donkeys a lot. And apparently with donkeys, they'd, if you overworked them, they wouldn't really give you signs that they're being overworked. They would all of a sudden just, you'd come to the barn and they'd be dead. And you had maybe, you know, given them too much load and worked them too hard and all of a sudden they're dead. And he kind of talks about how there's, there's some where they're just, you know, if they're not being, if they're not, being given space to wrestle with their doubts well or to, um, um, you know, have helpful answers or, or things like that. Eventually, they just kind of get to this point of no return and then they process and then there's the pathway out. So he talked about that and that was sort of the last 10 minutes that you missed. So any, for those of you who were here last week, I'd love to hear any reactions from the video. We didn't really get a chance to talk about it from what I hear, it was a little bit longer, so there wasn't any chance for discussion. So if anyone had any pressing things they wanted to share and reactions, if you can think back that far. Yes, Jonathan. Nice. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Or what has happened? So, the the five steps you're saying, like, is he drawing those five steps from the Bible? 
disaffiliation, deconversion? Yeah, that's more him just observing people. That he's not saying these are biblical definitions um, of theological categories. It's more giving words to describe, um, you know, different places people get as they're moving away from Christianity. In the church for eons. I think we'll talk about this more in a couple of weeks. I, I think there's a couple of things that are making it more talked about now. I think social media is a huge um, reason why, because people have been have left the faith, so to speak, um, ever since you know Jesus predicted it in the parable of the sower. We're going to talk about the parable of the sower. Um, that is basically his you know, the best place to go to describe this. So, you know, Jesus told us from the start, there's going to, it's going to happen. I think social media, though, is people are now telling their stories. There are communities being formed. It's it more, it didn't, it wasn't as, um, people didn't hear the stories as much, I guess. And so now there's more exposure to deconversion, I think, for, for a lot of people because you can access so many stories. Um, of it, so that's a great question. Um, it's not a new phenomenon, but there is there is both being in a culture that is becoming increasingly secular is is making it. Um, and and I could I'm going to share some statistics that will show that there is some sense you can say there's there's a growth in this, but there's also it's been it's been a reality. Yeah. That, 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 that's a question, that's a great question that we'll, be, we'll flesh out more as the class goes on. Yeah. Um, there's, there's also something about being, you know, 400 years ago, if someone was struggling with disbelief or doubt, the, the cultural pressure would be back towards belief, towards a, the reality of the transcendent. Um, there's none of that press, cultural pressure anymore that there used to be. And so again, it's, there were probably lots, there's probably less nominal, there's probably going to be less nominal believers in our society today than there were 400 years ago. People would just continue on in the church even though they didn't believe maybe because that's just everyone. It was unheard of to be atheist 400 years ago. Is that? that that's, that's also what's a little bit different today than in, in the past. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And and one more thing for Bruce, uh, you might be wondering, like I'm gonna, he didn't really get into a full on theology of doubt that I'm gonna get into more today. So that I mean that is a knock on his lesson last week, is he kind of was more, 
He drew from Asgenes' thoughts on it um, and some observations of how he sees people in these different stages of doubt or deconversion, but I'm going to talk more from Scripture today. So, yeah, Mike. Yeah. We're going to talk about that today. You're you're stealing my thunder again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Um All right. Doubt preliminary thoughts. I was supposed to Keep those slides. Um, anyways, we'll get to that. Um, classical humanism says that doubt, while uncomfortable, is absolutely essential for life. Rene Descartes said, if you would be a real seeker after truth, it is necessary that at least once in your life you doubt, as far as possible, all things. That's um, similar to the founder of Buddhism who said, doubt everything and find your own light. So if we take their advice, though, what do we have to do? We have to doubt what they just said, right? Um, but, I, you know, I, I think I know what they're saying. But, you know, the Bible, let's, let's talk about what the Bible says about doubt. Um, you know, that's some of the things that have been said throughout history about it. Um, I think the first thing to, to mention is that there's a tension in the Bible when it comes to doubt. Um, there is an openness to it in many cases, and we'll talk about those. But it's not just a free-for-all, you know. It's not just, you know, a really soft view of doubt. There's, there's, and we'll, and we'll talk about that. So, I mean, think about Zechariah in um, Luke 1 or 2, Luke 1, um, John the Baptist's dad. He, he you know, Abraham, uh, you know, doubted about his son. We'll talk about that a little bit, and we have been in the sermons, but when Zechariah did, he became mute, right? He doubted that he was going to have John the Baptist, and there was a really firm um, response, and he became mute. Um, and then a, a big passage is James 1, 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So, you know, contrary to that humanistic view I shared earlier that doubt is essential to life, the Bible, though it shows God's grace towards our doubts, um, it doesn't put it forward as a virtue. So what does James mean here by doubt? Are we always sinning and never listened to by God if there's any hint of doubt in our hearts or our lives? And commentators wrestle with this passage. Um, you know, it clearly, it seems to contradict other parts of Scripture. I mean, think of the man in the Gospels who Jesus approaches 
And he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Does Jesus, because there's some unbelief, Jesus, does Jesus not answer and not help him? No, Jesus actually still helps this man. And so there's a tension here. There's, there's, a, there's some sort of balance we've got to find. Um, and I think a key word uh, that kind of helps explain what, what James is more thinking of here is in verse 8, where he calls him a double-minded man. Um, it's been shown that the, the, that word for James that shows the kind of doubter he has in view here is one who is much more deeply seated in his doubts um, than maybe other examples in Scripture. It's someone a lot more firm in their doubts. Um, I think of it's someone more doubting from the place of pride than of humility. Um, especially when you look at the wider context of James, um, he talks a lot about loyalty to God versus loyalty to the world. Um, and so most believe some of what James is getting at here is, is someone who their doubts are really this place of they'd, they'd rather be more loyal to the world and to, to their self um, than to God. It's, it's, a, it's a deeper kind of commitment question of are you committed to uh, a life um, away from God or not, than sort of this kind of humble questioning of God. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just trying to get my mind around what you're saying. Right. Yeah, Gideon, are you? Yeah, I, I, I think that's what commentators believe that James is referring to here. Uh, someone much more deep-seated in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, you don't want to just stay there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I think that commentators take it that way. Yeah. 
I think that's very good. Other? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard because this, the Greek word there is the same as other places where it's viewed more favorably in Scripture, like Jude 22, which I'm about to share. Um, it's the same word. Um, and so, but the same word can have different meanings in different contexts, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, 1 Timothy 2, so James is up there again, but this, in 1 Timothy 2, the saying is sure, if we have died with him, we shall also live. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. There seems to be a little bit of a difference here between faithless and, and denial. Um, you know, faith, faithlessness will head towards denial, but there seems to be a distinction between them there. Maybe I'm reading too much into this passage, um, and that, that could be the case. Um, but um, there seems to be a sense of the denial is, the, you know, the disbelief is, is where we don't want to be. And I think, you know, most believe James has more of that denial sense of doubt um, um, in view. And then Jude, have mercy on those who doubt. It's an interesting, um, you know, portion of Jude. It's just this little line at the end of Jude, and, and Jude is talking about, Heresy and, and uh, the importance of the church to remain steadfast, and, and yet people will still struggle with doubt. Um, and so we see we don't want to be too soft on doubt, uh, and James is helpful for us there. Uh, we don't want to just, you know, have too high of a view of doubt and just encourage it, but we also don't want to be too hard on doubt. Um, and so that's, I think, kind of some of what the biblical, um, some of the biblical message of this. Yes. I think so too. All right. Um, types of doubt. Um, you know, I, I kind of think levels of doubt. There's, there's sort of lowercase d doubts. Those are doubts kind of, God, are you, you know, why did you do this? Are you, doubts of God's goodness, doubts of God's character. And then there's, I would maybe call them uppercase d doubts, like much more serious, like, is God even real? Is the Bible even reliable? Um, I just, I, there's no real particular reason to distinguish those other than just there's, 
I, I think some are experienced different ways and some are more, um, you know, very much still affirming that God exists and that he's there. And then some where it gets to, man, I don't know if I even, that's where it gets a little bit more um, severe and, and more scary. Um, one person said, you may always live, you may always to some degree live in the land of doubt, but it's possible your particular land of doubt is still within the country of faith. Um, and then uh, in terms of types of doubt, I, you know, we've already kind of talked about this some, but just unwise doubt or wise doubt or, or you know, yeah, w- wise ways to doubt or unwise ways to doubt. What are, what are maybe some unwise ways to handle doubt if it comes into our lives? What are some unwise ways to handle it? Any thoughts? We've, we've talked some about it, but. Absolutely. So that's a huge, huge thing to, to point out is, is to just not address it, to, not, to, to just ignore it, or to, to never talk about it with someone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. To not take it to God. Absolutely. That's the Psalms are really helpful there. Yeah, I would, I, would just, I would put that in, the way I would put that is like there's prideful doubt or humble doubt. And I think the, what we hope for if, if we have encountered doubts is that it would be a humble doubt of help me, Lord, other than, rather than, you know, I'm, I'm certain on this being wrong or something. Yeah. Right. Right. And you're asking what again? How do we address the smaller D doubts? Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. Um, we're definitely going to talk on that bits and pieces throughout the class for sure. So I don't have like a full-on answer to that other than that we need to be as a church a place that um, it can, uh, you know, to, to borrow language that is often abused is just a safe place for people to, to doubt. I hope you know what I mean when I say that, of just a place where people can... Um, Ask their questions, but also um, have confidence of of ways and have nuance. You know, n- knowing what is the Bible, you know, what is what are the non-negotiables and what are the flexible doctrines. 
um, for sure. What? Yes, right, exactly. Right, absolutely. Um, unwise ways of doubt, looking for 100% certainty. You know, that, that can be an unwise approach to doubt is you have to have complete certainty. There's uh, the video next week. He's going to talk about this illustration of a pond, a frozen pond, and how most people, if they come to a frozen pond, they don't, they don't go around the whole circle of the pond and analyze every part of it. All you do, you just take one step. And if that step is enough, then you take that step, and you take another step. Um, and then just sometimes we have a double standard with our doubts. Um, we doubt things of faith, but then we don't doubt our doubts. You know, we're, we may have questions about some of the faith, but then we don't maybe initially have questions about our doubts. And there's more that could be said to that, but those are just some initial thoughts. Um, and then finally, one kind of introductory point is that God is the ultimate answer to all doubt. God is the author and giver of faith. Naturally, he is the one, the, the prime resolver of doubt. Um, it's kind of this, you, you, we need to wrestle with them, we need to seek to find answers sometimes, but in the day, it's through our relationship with God, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit. Faith is a gracious gift of God experienced through the Holy Spirit. You think of Romans 8, who, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are sons of God. Um, so if faith is a gift of God, then the resolution of doubt is ultimately a gift of God. And so there's just this, yeah, again, this humility that we need to take to the, the, the process of doubt. Um, you know, this means that assurance of faith comes directly from knowing God and only indirectly from understanding doubt. So having a class on doubt and maybe having some categories on doubt, it can be helpful but the most important thing is to lean into your relationship with the Lord and process them with the Lord. All right, so doubt in the Old Testament in one minute, <laughs> um, which I'm not going to get into it, obviously, today. Um, I was, yeah, we're going to talk about in creation. Mike made the point that it's been, a, it's, a, it's a theme throughout the Bible, which I was going to just show from the Old Testament of creation, um, you know, to Jeff's point at the beginning, if, if they saw all those things um, that God did in the Exodus and they still had moments of doubt, I mean, think of paradise. Adam and Eve are in paradise and they had doubt. Um, one of the things you learn in the creation story is the spiritual warfare side of doubt. Um, it's not just us in our minds, though that's part of it. They're, the evil one is very much um, at play. And we see that probably most clearly in the garden. Um, so, um, and then, you know, Abraham, which, or Noah. I bring up Noah just to say, Noah, I don't, we don't really have much example of him struggling with doubt, but he lived, I mean, we sometimes just talked about like an age of doubt that, today, but think of Noah. I mean, he's building this ark, and everyone around him is like, what are you doing? You know, and here's Noah believed in this flood to come that no one else was believing in, even though he told them. And First Peter, Second Peter, puts that as an example for us today that we're kind of like Noah, where we're we believe in this city that is to come, and we are living towards that, and and we are surrounded by those who think that's ridiculous, kind of like Noah did. Um, Abraham. 
just listen to the last sermon, many sermons we've done. We've been walking through, I mean, five examples of Abraham, who's, you know, the father of faith, most famous for his faith, and yet he's got these incredible um, examples of doubt in his life. He doubted God's protection twice and sold his wife and, and um, or let, it, you know, people take his wife, call her his sister. Um, doubted God would give him the son, so he had Hagar give birth to Ishmael. He, doubt, he demanded a sign of the land promise. Um, he laughed at God. Sarah laughed at God. Um, all those examples. And then um, we are out of time. But I'll probably finish that up in two weeks. So next week is going to be um, a video by a guy named Zach Eswine. Um, it's called uh, How to Handle Doubt. Um, and he's going to really just walk through the story of Thomas um, doubting the, um, the resurrection. And I, I think he just draws some really helpful things out of that passage and, and explains it really well. I'm going to talk then about doubt in the New Testament. So I was hoping to get through doubt in the Old Testament today, and I'll finish that and talk about doubt in the New Testament after that. And then there will be another video by, by the same guy, Zach Eswine. And then I'm excited... Uh, Dan is going to teach on hell. I think there's several things that can be huge um, questions or um, reasons for doubt, like the problem of evil, but another one is the idea of hell. How could God send people to hell? So I'm excited Dan is going to talk about various things to do with the the doctrine of hell. Um, And then I'm going to finish with a few classes on sort of the deconversion uh, topic that um, Mark sort of introduced that. If there's anything else in this class you're wanting me to touch on or cover, please let me know, um, and I would love to, to consider that. Father, uh, thank you for this chance to talk about these things. I pray um, that you would continue to help us be a people who understand your grace towards us, but also uh, in our doubt, if, if, if we struggle with that, um, but also to doubt our doubts and to um, move towards faith and to Uh, wrestle with them um, in your presence, and, and would you give us more faith, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.